Bienvenue sur le podcast de football de nuit. Oh, welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast. You may have noticed that that was French this week, and that's because Nice fans are not very nice. There you go. It's taken 30 seconds, not even, for the low-hanging Nice-nice joke to come out. We're going to jump straight into it this week. We're pretty much, we're going to cover some, some of the happenings in France, and then we'll get straight into the English top flight, first division, as we're calling it. Um, Tommy, did you catch the happenings of France on the weekend? Just a little bit of drama across the pond. Uh, did, did you see the meme of the, um, the English guy really upset with the media that whenever English fans play up, they're labelled as hooligans. Whenever yeah. French fans play up, they're described as nice. Like I said, low-hanging, nice puns, jokes, whatever. They're there to be done, though. They've got to be done. Um, I don't know if you recall. You do recall because you messaged me about this, but last week I think I said on this pod that France was a mess and I love just tuning in every now and again to see what a mess it is. And then lo and behold, we've barely had fans back for two rounds and French people are throwing bottles at players and then running onto the pitch. It's, I think you described it as wacky and usually wacky, it is yes. wacky, but this, this overstepped the mark perhaps. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've all been at games where <clears throat> bottles and projectiles have come, you know, out of the stands and onto the field. This, I mean, Payet was really fired up by this. You don't, you rarely see them get actually tossed back into the crowd. Yeah, I don't and mind it. I don't mind it either. <laughs> I thought it was a cool new dimension to fan player interaction. Yeah, well, and I think it was always it was always funny to see players like mime drinking the bottle or. You know, just, I don't know, kicking it away, whatever. It, it, I don't necessarily think they should be doing that, though. No. I, uh, I don't think Payette should be throwing the bottles back into the crowd, but part of me loves it. And I get sickened by this horror, this ultra thing of like, oh, passion, blah, blah, blah. And then like, what was the analogy i used during the week about referee oh so you know when players swear at referees all mm-hmm. the time and then if a referee swears back like this is a very sunday league thing but the referee will swear back and be like, you can't talk to me like that like well you've been swearing at him so you know like all spectators fair. spectators are gonna throw bottles at players when the threat when the player throws the bottle back into the crowd all of a sudden they're outraged and they're gonna run on the field like fucking it's just stupid, irrational, illogical, just idiocy. It just it just escalated so fast. I did not I didn't think in my mind that they would ever run onto the field and then bang, there they are. They're like, and then <clears throat> they were literally attacking players. Cause I think and then the next evolution of this is that the Marseille players didn't turn and run. They actually yeah. surged forward to, towards the crowd. And yeah. I'm watching this thinking, what on earth is happening here? Are that we seriously so... in the era now where the fans, where the players fight the fans? Yeah. That's a very Marseille, front. very Marseille thing. Like the Marseille fans back home would have been absolutely chuffed with that, seeing that. Oh, you'd be the same. Oh, you'd be over the moon. The same Marseille fans that broke into their training ground and assaulted players. 
themselves. Yeah. And the same Marseille fans who got into a, a bit of trouble with, I think it was Montpellier fans in the first the yeah. opening game. It's been three match days and they've had two fan dramas already. You know what though? I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. They're thousands of kilometers away. That's why I'm not scared. But <laughs> 90% of those guys that jumped the fence and got onto the field, weak dogs. Weak. Yeah. Did you see, it was funny watching on the video, if you go watch some of the fan footage, how many of them are doing that thing where like they've jumped the fence and then they've approached, they get to where the advertising hoarding is and the advertising boards are like the last barrier between them and the players and they're like kind of, they could just step over them as well, but they don't. They're standing there like as if that is what's holding them back. You know, like two dogs at a (laughs) gate barking at each other and you move the gate and they're like, Oh, we're friends. Oh shit! Yeah, they start licking each other. They don't know what to do. They're like, "Oh, lucky this, lucky this advertising board's holding me back." You know that kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Thank God for the two foot obstacle. Like, uh, that's yeah, them just, confronting their decision making. There, that now they're in the reality of the sitch, and they're thinking, "Oh fuck!" Am I really going to assault a professional footballer? Yeah, on national yeah. television, international television. Yeah. Thousands Am I that big of a wager? Yeah, thousands of people in the crowd with their phones out. Like, come on, man. And then mm-hmm. it was also funny just seeing like the other people that had just taken the opportunity to get on the pitch. So yeah, that's like, all bit of this. <laughs> from one of the fan videos, like there's all this stuff going on. And then you see one guy at the bottom of the screen just run past with no shirt on with his hands in the air, like some one of those <laughs> yeah. wacky inflatable tube guys that you see at like rug stores. <laughs> Al Harrington's. Yeah. Al Harrington's. Yeah, he's just running past one security guy chasing him. I was just Benny Hill music all over. It was so good. But yeah. League on. The reality of it now is that Marseille decided not to come back out. So now Nice gets the result, which is the great travesty of the thing. Because now why don't why don't Fans of home teams just run on the field everywhere. Yeah, as soon as your team is winning, win three as soon as your team's winning, yeah. get out there. Get out there, win your team the game. Yeah, terrible. I fear for, um, I don't know, it's a long way away, so maybe not, but I feel like Marseille fans, this is the sort of thing they won't forget when they play Nice at home. So we'll have to stay tuned and keep an eye on that one when it comes around. It's going to be tasty every week, I think, with these Marseille fans. There's something... It might be a reflection of where France is at the moment, just as a country coming out of post-COVID and you know stuff like this. It's obviously resonant because they're they're kicking off every single week. One they, to uh, watch. Yeah, they uh, cop a bit of. They're the butt of a lot of World War Two jokes. The French, but they have a long, solid history of uprisings and fighting people and storming things and <laughs> just <laughs> general ruckus causing, you know? So yep. good on them. General rev- revolutionary activity. Yeah. <laughs> Have I you mean, got anything- they're still in the, they were in the streets the other week, the French protesting something. They're always protesting something. They're so. always protesting. Yeah. There's always something to protest. Uh, have you got anything else on France? Just quick PSG one again conceded a bunch of goals again no messy still so we wait but um, i've got a new favorite team in france i, I tip marseille to win it but they're not going to win it because <laughs> i don't know that they're going to see out a season they're not good enough. but my new favorite now okay one they're not good enough oh i think they are good enough 
that's a pretty good team. But anyway, that's beside the point. Discussion for another day. Yeah, we'll see how they go deeper. But my new favorite team is Clement Foot, who remains undefeated. <laughs> what Did you story. see the result? No, I didn't. This is brilliant. The newly promoted side sitting uh, third or fourth in the table at the moment on seven points. They came from 3-1 down away to Lyon to draw 3-3 with a stoppage time equalizer. Sensational. Just, yeah. Shit you love to see. Promoted teams coming up and causing a ruckus. <laughs> yeah. Doing the French ruckus causing. Love that. Um, um, yeah. Otherwise... Leon, Lille, Monaco, still yet to win a game between them. Yeah, in trouble, those clubs. They spend, uh, Monaco spend pretty good money too. Mm-hmm. Which surprises me for a club that um, they never seem to have any fans, even when, uh, even when there wasn't COVID. Like, they're just not a club that's ever really had a huge fan base. So, whereas Leon, Leon notoriously big club in France, are they still, would they be the most successful club in France still? If I was going to have a stab, I'd say, yeah. They went on that ridiculous run uh, back when they had like Benzema and Juninho, those players, where they won the French League every year and took the piss. I think it was seven in a row. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, now they're in that situation where they've got like the new stadium that was built for the Euro World Cup. Was a World Cup in France? Uh, the Euros oh. were. Were they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it was the Euros. <laughs> they, um, yeah, they got a new stadium built for that. And so they play there yeah. now. Um, yeah. It's and they, similar to Spurs. Yeah. Well, I was going to say similar to Arsenal considering they're shot. But yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's all we got on France. Yeah. Wind it up. Brilliant. We'll move on. Um, I think we're going to talk about some English first division. Note, not the Premier League, the first division. We're going to keep making a habit of that. First division, the top flight. Um, I believe you wanted to start with a weirdly a weirdly uh, positive talk about referees for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good about the refereeing in England so far. Not completely good, but there's been Carry a couple on. of tweaks. I'll, I'll ruin it for you later. But carry on. Thank, thank you. There were no, there were a few questionable VAR decisions as well this weekend. But the little tweaks that they've made, one to the offside rule, which I, against Leeds Menu last week, I thought one of the Menu goals. I was like, oh, that's definitely offside. His his sleeves offside, whatever. No, they fixed that. So there is a tiny margin of error now, which is nice to see. But the yeah. main one is the um, the referees are being told not to blow so often for niggly fouls. Just little game interrupting things they're being asked to let the game roll on and just see actually where the situation goes keeping in mind what happened prior so you'll see this season probably free kicks being called back many seconds after they've been maybe even 10 seconds after they've been conceded yeah which i don't i don't i don't i'm not against that that's cool given whatever the situation amounts to but definitely noticed it in the leeds everton game on the weekend there was a that was a fiery game. It looked a little bit like the championship in in aspects, and it was just really fun to watch. The whistle hardly blew. I didn't look at the foul count, but it felt like both teams were just allowed to lay challenges, but also ride the challenges and try and make plays out of it. So, a little bit of positivity for the first division. Yeah, that is good. I was wondering how that would all play out. With I saw the article before the season about the offside rule, 
And it was just like a bit of common sense for once, you know. Um, I know we were watching the Liverpool game together on the weekend and there was that offside that was pretty tight. But I think, um, I can't remember who it was at Salah and the goal was disallowed, but it was like a whole boot. So it's like, it is tight, but it's more obvious. It's, yeah, it's for those those stupid, annoying ones where it's like, oh, is it his shoulder or is it his... Is that part of his shoulder or is it his upper arm, you know? Oh, what is it? His, his kneecap or his like... kneecap offside? Like, is his toe yeah. lace? Like, what toe lace? What's a well, toe like, lace? A toe lace. <laughs> you have been drinking this evening. I have had a few. <laughs> but yeah, what's? it's good that they've done it. Yeah, definitely. I think every normal, sane football fan would be on board with that. Have you got any games you want to talk about from the first division this week first division i thought the game of the weekend was west ham's annihilation of leicester which one was really you know really interesting to watch i think um west ham despite you know uh perez getting sent off great value for their win created heaps of chances um looked on top even just even before the red card and you know the uh, we didn't really mention West Ham at all going into the season. No, I think we didn't. most people just assumed they were going to slip off and, you know, finish bottom rungs of the mid table, 10, 11, 12, whatever. Uh, but the way that they've started and now that they've taken the scalp of a top four side as well, or top five side, um, perhaps this is a team that is actually going to progress further and maybe even challenge for the Champions League right into the final day of the season. Maybe. Maybe. I think Europa League's their battle. But um, this was a huge win. I couldn't believe when I saw this result. And then I went and watched all the highlights. And it was, um, I don't know. I just love, there's always a pretty good vibe about West Ham when they're up and about. Like they're one of those clubs who they seem to like, every goal, their fans were going absolutely nuts. And rightfully so. So they should, because that's, I think uh, in football is three a three goal win is like a humping, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, so definitely. That's a that's a big win, winning by three goals, um, and winning by three goals against this Leicester side, albeit ten men. Like you said, they're on top before that anyway. Huge result, huge, huge result. And there was a big um, big bit of history created um, during the game as well. Uh, Mikhail Antonio became the, and look, I want to say first division, but it's going to be incorrect for the records. He became West Ham's top EPL era striker. Ah, uh, okay. That's my one caveat, yeah. So their top uh, did you- uh, first division goal scorer since 1992. Two. Two. Three. Two. Ah, we'll go with two. We're not going to Google this shit. Who cares? <laughs> we'll go with two. Yeah. Um, We're close. Yeah. Sorry. Were you still talking about Antonio? Go on. Yeah. Did you see how he celebrated? I did not. With a cut, he took a cardboard cutout of himself from a fan who had brought it along to the game for some reason. That's ridiculous. Celebrated, <laughs> gave it a little, gave it a little kiss. <laughs> okay, uh, that's ridiculous, but whatever. Go enjoy it. Celebrate. Donating like. a mirror image of his cardboard self, but then it made me look into where Antonio has been and where he's come from. You know, he started non-league, playing for Tooting and Mitcham United. Yeah. Right. Well, there you go. Another non another non-league success story. Good on, on the him. backs of Jamie Vardy et al. 
Has uh, every footballer ever not come from a non-league club, though? Uh, not necessarily. You've got players like... As a child? He was like playing as an adult in non-league, is what yeah, I'm saying. No, it was a terrible You've got children like Mason Mount that have all been right, at Chelsea. All right, all right. Terrible attempt at a joke. No, no. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick a game now from uh, this weekend's results. Um, I thought you would start with it, but I'm going there anyway. That's Leeds and Everton. Hey. I did catch... I did catch some of this game, but um, we had a big day Saturday, didn't we? So I was not in the Ooh, greatest yes. state for it. I caught up on it the next day a bit better, refreshed the memory, but this was an absolute cracker. And I'm if there. I may start, we'll get the negativity out the way first. Here we go. Remember I said I was going to ruin it about your, the, your referee thing, but I don't have a problem with... Uh, Cooper's foul being a penalty. But the exact same thing happens to Bamford later on at the end of the game, and it's not given, and they're the same foul. So that just had me a little a little confused. Thank you. No, I wholeheartedly agree. I've got written down here, uh, not enjoying still the process of VAR referrals, Everton Penn versus yeah. Leeds shout. It did it's- look exactly the same to me. I can be more forgiving for this when it's in a different game. You know, it's still frustrating because it's inconsistent across the, but when it's the same referee that is inconsistent, that's, I don't know who was in the VAR box, um, but just that's pretty frustrating because it looked like the exact same foul. But aside from that, uh, Everton still don't know what to make of. I still think they're going to be underperformers this year. Leeds, uh, probably I've got them around the same mark as last year, which is, I'd say, pretty impressive for a newly promoted side. And the other note I had is uh, last week, Rafinha had an absolute stinker and looked off the pace. This week, uh, not uh, a brilliant game by all means, but that goal was just absolute clutch and as one of those goals as a um as like a former goalkeeper i was just watching it and thinking you know if you're at that level and the ball falls to someone for a half chance like that when players of this quality can do that sort of thing with it like just the the way professional footballers can just take half a step with a half chance and bury it like that just what hope do you have that was an absolute perler loved it yeah no, no keeper in the world saves it. It's his mercurial best, old Rafinha. Uh, you run out of superlatives for him sometimes, um, yep. but it's good to see him scoring early on, breaking the duck, getting a desperate point for Leeds, who yep. on the balance of play, it was a funny one because Everton had more chances. And I, like, I'm kind of excited about their front four. I think when you look at Richarlison, Awobi, um, uh, DCL and whoever the other guy is in there that I also rate, they've got attacking potential for sure. And Rafa Benitez, you know, can set up a system and organize defensively. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Everton finish it, winners of the Everton Cup without a yeah. doubt. Um, but yeah, for Leeds, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to see how we improve on last season drastically given 
how everyone else is strengthened and yep. have, the other teams are sort of locked down and resolved now. Um, I guess the only thing you can take as a Leeds fan is we're one point better off than we were last season, given that we lost those two games that we've yep. already played. So that's a good thing. It's a positive. Yeah. Uh, I don't like to get too hung up in the table at this point of the year. Um, and just on Leeds, I think, I don't think there's any problem with not getting better than they were last year. Cause I think even still in your second season consolidation in the, in the league is the main thing you don't want to do. We've seen other teams do it where they do survive the first year. And then Sheffield United, the perfect example where they were extraordinary their first year up and then it all turned to shit straight away. So, um, yeah. and they're back down. Yeah. So I don't think it's a problem for Leeds not getting better. If they manage to maintain where they were last season, I think that's a, a big win for them. So there you go. Another one to watch. These will be two good teams and you'll see them play a lot of good football games this season if you want to watch as a neutral. Yeah, fair. And Mateus um, Click scoring goals again. He is the big pole. Uh, your turn. Pick a game. I like where we were talking about how it's only two games in the season. So the league table doesn't really matter. And so I guess if we're saying the Arsenal are in strife, then we may as well fucking call West Ham champions and congratulate Brighton on being in the fucking Champions League. There is a lot of discontent and murmur around Arsenal right now. Where do you sit on this? Um, well, firstly, I've seen many an Arsenal season begin with not winning games. Consecutive <laughs> you know, defeats, yes. <laughs> even, even during Wenger's time and still uh, coming back to make top four. Like I said, the table means nothing at this point. The concerning thing for Arsenal, I think, is I really don't know. I still think it is too early to say. They're copying a lot of grief at the moment for their signings, which I think is unfair. Um, maybe in the past, sure, they've done some dumb deals. But like, I don't think signing Ramsdale is a dumb deal. Signing Ben White is a good that's a good signing. They've gotten good players in that people have said they had to like when they got Thomas Partey in last season yep. and it just hasn't worked out so far and he's been injured. That's not really on the club. Um, I think signing Odegaard is huge. This club, if Massive. you look at their, yeah. you look at the players they put out, this is still a side capable of scoring a lot of goals. And last year, their defensive record wasn't as bad as people made it out to be. It was certainly much worse before that when Mustafi was playing regularly. Um, <laughs> Less said the better. <laughs> yeah. Signing Xhaka on another deal is a bit of a concern because I don't think he's just going to magically become the player they needed him to be after three good games for Switzerland. And there's still a gaping hole at right back at the moment. I don't know what the situation is with Bellerin, but the last two games, they played Cedric against Chelsea and they played Callum Chambers against Brentford. So that's not ideal. They also they yeah. don't have any European football this season to deal with. So I think Arsenal will end up finding their way into that. Um, fifth is probably too high. Uh, but definitely in that six to eight, yeah, kind of range, I think. Six, seven, eight. They'll end up in, I think. 
Okay, so better finish than the previous season. They've definitely got quality in there. Yeah. And they've signed quality as well. Uh, you just, yeah, you're right. The defensive issues still, and they have been an issue for Arsenal now for a decade, like a decade. It's yeah. always, I mean, Cedric was subbed at halftime and did Chambers come on for him? And he was no better. Whoever the right back that yeah. came on. No, Cedric played the entire game against Chelsea. Oh, did he? Yeah, it was. Must have been, um, oh, it, was a, it was a left fullback that got subbed, sorry. The left Tava- fullback. Tavares came on. He's a new signing from Benfica who's looked really good in preseason. He came on for Kieran Tierney. Yeah. Which, you know, to me is a strange substitution. 2-0 down with 25 minutes to go to take on a left back and replace him with another left back. So, yeah. Odd sub. Reese James was giving him a bath down there. They just, in this in the Chelsea game, they didn't do themselves any favours by the nature of which they set up. And yeah. you know that comes that comes down to the coach and the manager and everyone else, but also the players didn't perform to a level. They just seem a step short. There was like a period of play where Saka was trying to burn as Piliqueta, and you thought, oh, he's just going to knock the ball past him and and breeze. But you know, as Piliqueta kept up yeah. with him, step step for step. So there's still a lot of tired bodies coming back from the marathon of football we have documented over the last six months. Yeah. Um- if I can just add one more on that, Chelsea, for them, they're going to score two goals or more against lots of teams this season. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. But also, I uh, note that you said like James was giving them a bath down that side. That, to me, it just plays into my point I made last week about, you know, Kieran Tierney is a gun left back. Rob Holding's a more than competent defender. Uh, ben White is a very handy looking defender got himself in the England squad after some cracking football with Leeds and Brighton. Um, The problem comes from in front of them. How much pressure can you take? How much, like if you're not getting support from your left wingers or you're holding midfielders in front of you, you're vulnerable to be ripped apart like that. And that's what happened. Yep. Yeah, you saw it. You even saw it centrally with the ease at which Lukaku was receiving balls to his feet, to his head, whatever. Yep. The screening midfielders weren't doing their job. And you're right, Saka didn't have the legs to track back and help the left back. And that's yep. that's how the game unfolded. So probably probably won't be one that you can write down as Arsenal's, you know, descriptor of the season or whatever. But no. They're they're calling Arteta's next five games. The next five games, if he doesn't perform well, he's gone. Do you think that's going to happen or not? No, I don't think so. I think he still needs to be given the, a good two-thirds of the season to three quarters and then see where we're at. Because yeah. if you're going to let him make the signings and bring the players in, you've got to let him try. And I know last year was a bit of a disappointment. There was big patches and signs of improvement, but then big patches of uh, regressing regression. So... Who knows? That's probably enough time on Arsenal anyway. I feel like we're going to spend a little bit of time on Arsenal most weeks. <laughs> they're, they're the club this year that, yeah, they're pretty divisive, obviously. So um, on that note, I'll flick it across and I'm going to choose, the next game I'm going to choose is Manchester United, Southampton or Southampton, Manchester nice. United, should I say. Um, True. <laughs> how shit is Fred? <laughs> is he shit again? I thought, I thought it was been... a world beater after one oh, game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
he scored Fernandez last week, and, you know. Fernandez and Pogba looked great against Leeds, so automatically Fred is good. I'm now convinced that Manchester United versus Leeds is Man U's cup final every time. Because that there was no, it did not look like the same team from last week to this week. And I didn't think that was because of Southampton in any way. Man, you just yeah. couldn't put a pass together. Even in uncontested areas, they were misplacing passes. They were. And they also cost us our night shift football multi, didn't they? <sighs> mm, they did. I thought that was um, a sure thing. But maybe if we scrap it away from Man United and talk about this Southampton side, because I know we both appreciated them quite a bit last season. And I was a bit concerned about them losing Ings. I know he's getting on a bit in age, but he still finds the net a lot, as he did on the weekend for Villa with a cracker. Yeah, two but and this, two now. This team is still pretty, pretty good, and I like watching them. It's a good team. This Hassan Hutul is a, like a really enigmatic, attacking focused guy, and that's why you saw last season Southampton. Some weeks they lost seven nil, and then the next week they would beat some team four one, and you're like, oh, sick! This is a good team. This is a yeah. Premier League team. This is a team you don't want to get relegated, but you know is never going to be in the European spots or contesting yeah. Man United or whatever. So yeah. for this result, this is a massive result for them. And it's testament to how they set up and I, you know just how clinical they were in front of goal. I just can't believe that of all the clubs that have played in this division, that Southampton are the ones with this sort of squad that twice have been battered for like, seven or eight goals by Leicester, like twice. Yeah. Whipping but boys. They're, they're just, when they have a bad day, it seems to be just really, really bad, but mostly they're, they're pretty solid. They're a tough beat, especially at home. True. Yeah. They'll, they'll have good home form again this season. It looks like the Ings replacement, Adam Armstrong is going to do a job. Yeah. Just despite the glaring opportunity he had after that Maguire mistake that he should, he should have put it away. And I think yep. in all likelihood, you would have seen when our multi was sinking, I was like, well, I'd, I'd rather Southampton just win rather than a draw. So <laughs> yeah, please, please win. That was probably the worst result you could imagine. Yeah. Fair. I, yeah. I think maybe I overhyped Man U last week because they, they gave Leeds a bit of a hiding. <laughs> I still think they're the fourth, be- on, but Actually, you know what? The best part of this game was Ollie coming out um, being the little snitch rat he is and trying to deflect away um, from the goal that they conceded, saying there was a foul in the build-up on Fernandez. There certainly he went as far to say is, There was no, never, ever, never as a foul. He went as far to say his players can get injured from that kind of thing. And, yeah, then he well, cited, and then he cited the referee mandate to let play go on. And he was saying, this is <laughs> essentially saying this is a bad thing. So he's the first one to come out and do it. No. And for what, that, the bad... Ollie, take a bath. What the bad thing is, is Fernandez just falling over. Looking for it. Just falling over and then getting up and carrying on instead of just chasing the man. He's a plonker. Oh, he's so good at football, but man, that side of his game just makes me hate him so much. But yeah, for me, not a foul. Get on with it. Um, <laughs> like... Yeah, Ollie just, I don't know, if that was Alex Ferguson, he'd be like, oh, he could have been killed. He could have been killed. It's in the DNA, isn't it? He's channeling yeah. his inner Fergie for sure. All right, pick a game. Uh, Nuno getting one over Wolves to maintain 100% start for Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, go on. I got nothing on this, so it's all you. I thought results 
so far have flattered Tottenham and the return of Kane didn't really do anything to inspire confidence. Uh, Wolves looked the better side. Yeah. Wolves looked the better side. The one that the thing that I wanted to um, draw attention to was uh, Jimenez is back. Raul Jimenez, remember that horrific injury? Was it against Arsenal that he? Yeah, got it was um, him and David Luiz cracked heads, and he ended up with a fractured skull. I believe it was Luiz. Mm. He's back, which is great. He's played two, yeah, uh, two ninety-minute performances now. Yep. Um, and you know what? He's actually been really good. He's created more chances than any other Wolves player in the last two games. And I think if we're going to talk about uh, fantasy Premier League shouts, Jimenez, who just suffered a price drop, so he's gone down to 7.4. I think he's a really good shout for the next five weeks, given that Wolves' next five games are Man United, Watford, Brentford, Southampton, Newcastle. Chances and and goals for big Rahul. Chance of goals, chance of assists, some wins, I think. Uh, Jimenez is probably going to get you points, I think. That's a a good price for a striker, for a mid-range Yeah, I've, I've always really liked this player. Um, good fella. They've got that Trincao as well on the right wing that they've got from Barcelona. And then the overrated Adama Traore on the left. That's right. Overrated. Uh, we've been overrated. There. We, need, we don't need to go there again. We've been there. We've Have you seen there. his, we've this performance there. stats though? His ta- he's successfully completed more take-ons than any player so far. He's oh, beaten sick. his man 20 times in two games. Do we have stats That's on pretty, how shit his end product is? Uh, yeah, there's a reason that we stop at the take-ons. So you're telling me he should just play futsal? Apparently, yeah. Yeah, he should. Anyway. Oh, he would be a beast. Oh, could you imagine? Apparently Spurs want to sign him, so there's that as well. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, on Spurs, the longer this goes on, the more do you think Harry Kane is staying at Tottenham? Yeah. I thought he's going to stay the whole it? time. <laughs> Did you? They're not going to... Yeah, City aren't going to pay I don't Spurs think so the money that they want. No. Nah. So they could run the contract down, do what everyone yep. else does. Just wait for him. And then when he's, when time runs out, Harry Kane will just go there for nothing. Exactly. I actually think yep. he's got a longer deal than what we said the other week when we were talking Maybe. about it. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's another two to three years. Don't know. We could put so, that in the, put that in the long list of things we should have, but didn't Google. <laughs> There's a lot of research that goes into this thing. I can't be across it all. Come on. Can't Harry Kane's asked. contract details. Do we even um, have any Spurs listeners? I don't think they care. Not sure. Not sure. Haven't bothered to ask. Um, I don't know how many more you want to talk about. I was just going to touch on uh, Man City's demolition of Norwich to finish off unless you had another game. I don't No, Go for it. Hit it. Uh, all I really wanted to talk about was two things. Firstly, Jack Grealish's goal. Have you seen it? Yeah, it just hit, hits him. It's a terrible first <laughs> touch and it goes hey, in. But they all count. Uh, take it. The second thing that I wanted to point out, this really caught my eye. I watched it over and over and over again was the fifth goal by Riyad Mahrez. And the reason I really enjoyed it, it doesn't look anything too special, but the reason I kept watching it is just because of the run Mahrez makes. When you watch it, you see... As the ball is getting played to Diaz, he's going. He's already off and gone. Norwich are pushing up, trying to squeeze, as you should do, because Man City are playing the ball backwards. It goes to Diaz. He's straight away. He's started running back towards his own goal as the ball is being played to Ruben Diaz. 
And as soon as Diaz gets it, he's turning, arcing his run in. Diaz plays the perfect ball over the top, touch, finish. It's just, that's, I don't know, that's, for me, that's the sort of thing I get a massive joy out of watching in football. So, yeah. No, there was a beautifully taken goal. And that's exactly how you expose the press. And of course, you know, it's, it's a, they've already shipped a bunch of goals. So they're a little bit tired. They're still not as switched on as yeah, they would sure. be. But there's some caveats there. But I think it is a perfect example of how City do just tear teams apart. It's mm-hmm. the, I know sure. profes- professional football is very much a thinking two passes ahead before you get it type game. But like Man City, look, like a side that are, you know, three passes ahead a lot of the time. It's a very Guardiola thing is just these trigger points. They know what they're doing before it happens. Um, But yeah, there you go. That's all I got on that. No, I think that's a great point. The Guardiola sides always look like they've figured out what the opposition is going to do when they do their next move. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You expose the high press because that's the... Yeah, that's the instinct is to push up when they go backwards, and you've got a player of Diaz's ability to, you know, a ball playing defender like that to get that shit out of there, yeah. but into a space where Mares can take it on the score. It's amazing. They're a great team. Yeah, will they win the league? It's going to be a good title battle with Chelsea. For yeah, sure. it is. I'm really looking forward to how it plays out at the top this season because I think it is going to be really close the whole way. Um, and I'm in a good place with football now where I think I can just appreciate even teams that I've in the past despised and hated. I can look at it from a more neutral footballing view and just enjoy the game itself. So I think that's really important. There you go. We got a bit deep there, didn't we? We did, but it's a positive. It's a positiveness. Yeah. This is a, a like, positiveness. A, this is the last therapy session you have that's free, that's given to you by the government because the. <laughs> The therapist knows you're never coming back, so you need to leave on some kind of high, and that's what this is. <laughs> we might just move on. Uh, I believe that's all we're going to touch on, I think, for the top flight, unless you had another game. But I believe you no want to games. talk about the upcoming international break and some news coming out today or yesterday about some, some stuff in some things. Oh, there's some stuff going on again. Premier League, stuff Premier League clubs will not release players um, for matches on the United Kingdom's red list. So the red list is like a list of nations that they don't deem to be COVID safe right now. Yep. And the majority of these red list nations, funnily enough, are in South America and Africa. What do you know? <laughs> yeah. So there's like 60 odd players that, I mean, there's 60 odd players that are not going to be able to represent their countries in the upcoming uh, international window which is like the and, second week of september and it's a it's not just a, any international like it's not an international friendly window it's a world cup qualifying window isn't it yeah it is there's three yeah there's three games being played in these windows it's yeah i think some of them have got to do with the african nations cup as well like salah yep. was not being released by liverpool and that was going to be of detriment to egypt uh like personally speaking, Rafinha had his first Brazilian call up and he's now no longer going to be able to travel and get his first cap for Brazil, which is a massive shame. Um, but more, more pertinently for me, the thing that pissed me off basically was that there's nations in South America, like Uruguay and Chile and stuff that have COVID completely under control. 
and they've just put a blanket ban on cotton nations. And it's, it's just indicative of Europe who hoarded all the vaccines essentially and now are deeming that people can't return on, you know, work excursions or trips such as this. Yeah. It's just a slap in the face. So we've had pretty much open football for a year while we've all dealt with this COVID thing together. And now we're establishing boundaries that some nations are more vaccinated than the others. And this is where yep. the trouble starts. And this is, you get to a World Cup point now at the end of, uh, the end of next year. And if some nations aren't vaccinated to a point still, are they going to be able to compete? And now we're talking about politics again and this fucking thing where we should just be like we came to an agreement in our therapy session talking about the football. Yeah. Um, really annoying. The whole, <laughs> the entire COVID thing last year has just been, that's the word that sums it up, annoying. Really annoying. For sure. We can say that as privileged people who have not been affected massively by it and lost loved ones mostly but um uh yeah like i don't really know what to add to that like at least it's the qatar world cup that's being compromised i'd love if they just binned it but let's (laughs) let's hypothetically say this was a normal world cup and countries were trying to qualify i don't know how much clubs should have the right to just be stopping players from doing it like and like given England I guess this has come from higher up rules in England about like the clubs are kind of having their hand forced here by authorities but those same authorities are allowing people into the country like they're allowing the Indian cricket team to come in and play a tour they're allowing New Zealand cricket team to come in and play a tour. They're things like that. They're allowing England to go off and play in other countries. So mm, yeah, exactly. it, it's, yeah, it's a bit baffling to me. I think ultimately I know the clubs are paying the players playing, paying the contracts, but if a player ever wants to go and represent their national side, they just should be allowed to No questions asked. I think exactly. Yeah, you can't have – it did say in the article that the um, the decision was club unanimously club-enforced as well. So unanimously – Yeah, well, of course. I mean, I don't know what the vote looking count after is. Their own. There was obviously some clubs that were more heavily affected by this than other clubs. There was probably some clubs that weren't affected whatsoever. So what does their vote really matter in this? But yeah, like, I agree with what you said. This is murky waters to be treading now. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll have to see how that one uh, plays out in the next few weeks. When did you say that window was? Second week of September? Second week of September. Yeah, so not far away. We'll see how that plays out for sure. Yeah. Have you got anything else you wanted to add this week? That wraps it. Good. Another good week of First Division. I was was just going to quickly point out that it's Old Firm Week. For yes, our, range, our Rangers and Celtic listeners out there, uh, 8.30, I believe, kickoff is, yeah? Hell yeah, it is. 8.30 p.m. Adelaide time, Sunday night. That is going to be huge because Celtic look like they're, well, as far as they're concerned, they're back in they're the humming. mix. They're back, ready to hunt down Rangers. And as far as Rangers are concerned, they've only lost one game in the last season and a half, so... You know they're, t- they're still the team. They're money. still the team to beat. This is going to be huge, huge, huge for Ange Postacoglu, his first old firm. Um, 
both clubs also have pretty big European ties uh, during the week as well. So by the time people are hearing this, Rangers will have played, I think, because uh, they play Thursday morning, I believe, and Celtic Friday morning. I could have that all wrong. Who knows? But yeah, it sounds right. There you go. Whatever. Who's going to check Googling. this? We're not Googling shit. We, we're not knows. Googling anything. No, nah, we're not Googling anything. That's it. Not Googling anything. Right? That's the mantra of our podcast. Everyone Googles. We're not going to Google. Yeah. Non-Googling Night Shift Football Cup podcast. There you go. <laughs> All right. We might wrap it there. Yeah? Yeah, let's wrap that up. All right. Good pod. No Thanks for tuning in, people. Ciao. See you.